of Speakers of Heidelin is made possible by our generous patrons. Special thanks to our supreme and master speakers, Omeji Cat Comet, Erisu Yamakawa, Alex Franco AV, Winebow Brood, Psyche, Azuta Starbreeze, Cletus Oreo, Nina Grimstarter, Lily Black, Bob CC, Mikto Rappentau, Sapa Chakwatol, Edwin, Arcadia Lunashine, Umbral Wind, Quick Levin, Pamela Isley, Camille Grino, Elendril Maximus, Codrith Novelist, Mira Miri, Suno Shikano, Celestau Notrell, Lazy Boy, A Wild Sarah, Luke Osborne, Pandalu Stormarrow, Tex, Kylin, Anathus, Moonscar, Arthur Law, Beridan Derard, Saipup, Spencer Christmas, Noy Fafner, Chesha Saltiri, Celine Deloon, Woobsta Wolf, Face on Masher, Severa, Circuit Barakil, and AJ Brainswordson. Support the show and become a patron today at patreon.com slash speakersxiv. Thank you. Welcome to Speakers of Fidelin episode 327. I'm Lakeel Bravestone and I'm joined today by Georgi Wiston and Rollo Dez. Hello. 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 Yeah, Mela is not here. He is uh, away. Uh, he'll be he's back in, on Wednesday. He's in the fjords. So he is not in the fjords. Uh, it is uh, November 26th, 2022, and it is episode 327, like I said. I did say 300 this time. It's happening. You did. It's happening. Uh, this episode, we're going to have a great discussion, and we're going to discuss what makes a good zone. Now that we're, uh, I mean, we can start theorizing about new zones. So why not talk about what makes a good zone? What we want in a new zone. Uh, we will also continue the Fox Clone interview series that we started. <laughs> series, uh, part three, uh, today, and we will also be reading your mog mail, slash Mogmail, stay tuned for the post show. It is the beefiest question from questions from the syndicate in a long time, so we have lots of stuff to talk about. Um, so um, yeah, stay tuned for that if you're watching live. All right, uh, let's jump into uh, recent events. Right, in recent events. <clears throat> Congratulations, everyone. Um, we won Best Game Community uh, in the Golden jo Joystick Awards. Joystick. Um, that. Um, <laughs> I don't remember who we were up against. Fortnite? Fort uh, probably. I, no, sure I'm pretty sure we're up against Fortnite. Genshin Impact, De maybe? maybe? Destiny 2? Sure. Perhaps? Destiny sure. 2, probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, no Man's, Man's Sky. Sky. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Um I'm going to play a video, uh, but I just noticed it's the 40th Golden Joystick Awards. That's oh 40 God. years of that show. What on earth? How is that even so possible? They're having it, so they've been having it since the 1982? Oh, 82. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, That's we've great. had video games since then. <laughs> so the Golden Joystick existed as a magazine before, I would assume. Yeah, I would assume. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> That's wow. going to be like a real enthusiast kind of thing even back then. Be like, yeah. Oh, 
let me get the latest golden joystick or whatever. The, yeah, the, the magazine. I wonder. Hmm. I need to know more about this now. This intrigues me. That's that must be one of the oldest video game awards that exists, probably. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Uh, all right. Well, uh, Yoshi P has some uh, uh, some stuff to say uh, about this, so uh, let's uh, hear it from the man himself. Obviously, for audio listeners, you're about to be exposed to Japanese, so uh, enjoy that. Here we go. Uh,皆さんこんにちは。ファイナルファンタジー14プロデューサー兼ディレクターのよしだです。え、今回はベストゲームコミュニティという大変素晴らしい賞をいただきまして誠にありがとうございます。まあ、あの、開発者としてというよりはですね、MMORPG というま、巨大なオンラインゲームを運営している人間として実はこの賞がもしかしたら一番嬉しいのかなと。あの、何よりもま、たくさんのオンラインゲームがある中で、そのゲ
yeah, I guess Xylart isn't a very nice. I think, yeah. Yeah, I think Xylart is a very alienating term. I don't think it ever bit be at all appealing to anyone that hasn't played the game. Right. Yeah. It sounds like a, a fucking Star Trek movie. Like one of the best. It does. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah. Um Forestland says the most noticeable change was an increase in communications with the North American team. Our preparations with the members of the American branch began in earnest about a year before the North American launch, and we started to mold sorry, mold, started to hold more meetings together. Yeah, we but started to mold whole meetings together. <laughs> That's what you wanted to say, isn't that it? That is what I wanted to say. No, we, <laughs> we also had assistance from Sony Online Entertainment, Sony, the company behind EverQuest uh, at the time, <laughs> whose staff helped us form a 24-hour GM team, just like the one we had in Japan. What? Like that? Why can't you say S O E? Which would was be funny. much more understandable. Sui, Were there any differences in mythologies when working with the staff from S O E? Methodologies. Also, methodologies. Not, when... mi not mythologies. <laughs> like ancient wizards coming together. Methodologies when working with the staffs from SOE. I couldn't stop seeing mythologies after that. Foxclon says, we had them follow our policies and such, uh, but our ideals and, th and theirs had a common origin in Ultima Online, so they understood quickly, and our conversations went very smoothly. Furthermore, all of them were experienced veterans, as their team had been involved in EverQuest operations for years. I was really looking forward to working with them, so I was thrilled when visiting the SOE office. I had this wild assumption uh, it would be like a secret base. Why? Uh, yeah, what, <laughs> what is this, like, command center, like HQ? Um, I mean, you work in a video game company. Why would a European one be any more, like... <laughs> A spy base. Because we are ancient. We have like castles. It's like a, an ancient castle. Um, I see. Yeah. Um, you mean the like the intelligence agencies they have in movies, says the interviewer and laughs. Foxland says that the actual office was really cool with a typical... Oh, sorry, this is in America. With a typical roominess of an American office and pale lighting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Of the glow of fluorescent <laughs> tubes. <laughs> It feels good on my skin. It's big, empty, <laughs> and fluorescent. That is exactly the, how I want it. The back rooms, that's what it is. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> back then, SOE's Network Operations Center, NOC, was this dimly lit room with many monitors, and it looked like the command center of a spaceship. Whenever there was a server failure, a mechanical voice would announce, Server name is down. I was really jealous of that and wanted something similar for our company. But as you might expect, we couldn't Im imitate the spaceship look. Then he laughs. That sounds... Okay. That sounds terrifying. It sounds terrifying and cool at the same time in a weird way. But yeah, it's. Could, I wouldn't want could to Could you imagine that. hearing, like, in the speaking of Square Enix, hearing Crystal down? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, horrible. I think it's... I think it sounds cool as a place to visit. I don't think it's somewhere I would want to work. No, no, same. Um, that really sounds like something from a movie. By the way, I've been told that Square Enix has an alarm that goes off when a server issue occurs. Uh, Foxon says, we do. Since we couldn't watch the monitoring tool 24-7 and needed something to draw everyone's attention in the event of an issue, the first thing we did was make a siren. We also thought it'd be cool if we had flashing lights to go with it, so we tried to install a rotating beacon. 
one of our engineers <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a it's a bit much isn't it yeah. <laughs> one of our engineers managed to create a mechanism to set off the siren but I couldn't think of a convincing argument to have the company purchase a rotating beacon so I went to buy one myself quietly brought it in and asked one of our engineers hey could you make this light up in sync with the siren and that's how our first beacon came to be no <laughs> why what the fuck <laughs> I mean, this is for his own entertainment, right? Yeah, yeah. You know what? You got to make the workplace fun. You know, you got to mold your environment to your liking. Yeah. Why not? Also, he says, our first beacon. That's kind of worrying. How yeah. many do you have? <laughs> you paid for the first beacon yourself? Asks the interviewer. Yeah, Foxon says, yes. So it so it was mine. We now formally <laughs> maintain a beacon after more people... and. We now formally maintain a beacon after more people understood its necessity, but the flashing lights haven't been as useful for grabbing everyone's attention these days. The audio cue, mm. on the other hand, remains as important as ever. Since more of our staff members have been working from home since 2020, all of us were given a live feed of the monitoring equipment, and sound has been essential for noticing issues in the current situation. Oh, that's awful. So, the idea of just like some horrible like, like, webcam feed. To, yeah, dis <laughs> well, disorienting noise yeah. that just like comes through your headphones yeah. at random. Yeah. With the recent rise in online services, however, we're running out of distinctive sounds. Our staff still rely on the audio cue to identify the service experiencing the problem. There's a specific sound for 11, another one for 14, and so on. So my current concern is how it's gotten progressively harder to tell the sounds apart intuitively interesting so couldn't just could I mean, they not just, just have like a notification on like do i mean do you not have phones <laughs> like <laughs> can you not get like some sort of why do you need it to be a physical siren in your office that you need a no, webcam feed it's, it's for? gotta be like the most annoying thing ever <laughs> yeah apparently i think it needs I think it needs to be something that they immediately notice because I think even something on your phone is you can ignore. Like, That's true. Temporarily. That is true. Um, okay. Uh, by the way, I've been told that the emergency alarm for Dragon Quest X Online was the sound that plays when you put on cursed equipment, which is a reference. That sounds fun. Yeah. Uh, Foxon says it was for a long time, but it was very unpopular and discontinued soon <laughs> after. Apparently, the sound made everyone feel depressed. It's a no. different sound now. <laughs> mm. uh, okay. That's sad. No. Yeah. They should make the siren for the fourteen one the sound of like materia breaking. Yeah. Gosh. Oh. Yeah. That's like oh, the or, Ooh, or, or the uh, the failed crafting sound too. Yes. Mm. Like, a, like a, as, an, as an armor, we're like ting ting ting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for eleven, they should have the level down sound when you level down. Oh no. <laughs> Um, okay. Uh, what I learned from my time in Europe and our first fan festival. Uh, you also worked in Europe for two years as European online producer. How did that come about and what kind of work did you do? Oh, he was the European online producer. I Interesting. Mean, he had to learn English at some point. That's why he's yeah. as well spoken as he is now. True. 
Foxconn says, in North America, our joint venture with Electronic Arts, which we've talked about last week, cursed, very cursed, was dissolved in 2003, thank God, when we established an in-house publishing environment, which enabled us to launch Final Fantasy XI there. Our European branch, however, didn't have such publishing capabilities. As such, Square Games were sold in Europe by first parties, other distribution partners, or through our North American branch. In other words, the European branch couldn't handle online game operations on their own yet. Foxconn says, that's right. That makes sense. They're... Square Enix is, I mean, even to this day, I feel like Europe is still a strange market for Square Enix. Like, they don't really mm. want to invest in this, but they are. I feel like, I feel like they don't make Europe easy to work in. No, for some, no. For some things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Foxconn says, that's right. Around 2004, however, our company finally decided to establish a publishing environment in the European branch as well. And I was assigned there to assist with the groundwork. My role in Europe was no different from what I've been doing in Japan since joining Square in December 2001. We were completely lacking customer support and other necessary functions for providing online services, so we assembled a whole service team. Our team was ready to go when Chains of Promethea and the Xbox 360 version of Eleven were being launched. So Eleven became the first title we published in-house in Europe. Do you remember that? Uh, remember the? I remember the weird, like, they advertised it just, like, in stores. That's all I remember. I never, I don't think I've ever seen a TV ad for Eleven, but it was like always hmm. plastered on like GameStop. Like the entire window would just be like white because Final Fantasy games were just, you know, the white cover with the text in Europe. And they would just have yeah. the white cover and then they would have the the logo and then they would have this huge box because it, they sold it with like bundled with the PS2. Was the oh coolest shit in the world when I saw that? I like, oh <laughs> hell yeah! The future is now. Ever dude. since then, the feel hasn't been the same. <laughs> no. This has been all downhill. <laughs> um, okay, uh, how long were you in Europe? Asks the interviewer. Uh, Foxon says, "I was I was there from 2004 to 2006. So in terms of 11, that that'd roughly be from Chains of Promethea until Treasures of Atorgon. Atorgon. Why 11?" Why are eleven expansions so uninviting in terms of their names? <laughs> well, the deep lore. It's lore. <laughs> Come on. It's well. That's interesting because it's like the main difference between eleven and and fourteen is definitely that that it just expands on the current realm. Like it's Vanadeal, so yeah. it's like it's just main. That's why they have to have these horrible titles because that's just things in the world. Um, I mean, I mean, they could I'm have made it better. Like, yeah. Yes, I'm glad they've gone in the direction of just like vague descriptors for yeah. the events of the story that we've yeah. gone with 14. Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, did you notice any difference in the player base in Europe or in the way they interacted with you as a GM? Uh, Foxlon says, I'm afraid my answer isn't very interesting for an interview. <laughs> but in fact, there wasn't much of a difference. He, and then he laughs wryly. I believe that was because European players also saw Eleven as their game. From a Japanese perspective, we might see Eleven as a Japanese MMORPG that's being played by a global audience, but our overseas players didn't seem to hold that view as much, and many seemed to feel Eleven was made for them in their respective languages. Of course, Eleven is part of the Final Fantasy series, and I'm sure everyone knows it's a game from Japan. 
but its Japanese origins didn't really hold it back in terms of context. Strange answer. I'm not sure. Yeah. I am. Yeah. I can kind of see that. I think it was 11 still came out in that early, like enough time where people were still like, oh, this cartoon came on. It's anime. Well, I mean, that's just like a, you know, cartoon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It just looks a little different. Yeah. Like, oh, it's it's a Japanese game. Well, I mean, it's in English. It's just a video game. But it would be interesting if Mm -hmm. he, like, Maybe he maybe he's being genuine here, but I have a feeling Japanese players and European players played the games a little differently. But maybe is not. there any different way to play Eleven though? <laughs> I would I would think there's only kind of I mean, not one thing to do, but you're right. Eleven isn't real play style, right? Yeah, I guess so. I guess that's true. There's yeah, the a fourteen is more. You'd see it more, um, but in yeah in Eleven, not so much. Uh, <clears throat> perhaps the concept of living out your adventures in Vanadil was one that transcended cultural barriers. I right, sure hope so. <laughs> Foxconn says, one struggle, one struggle we had was how all of our announcements in Japanese required a buffer when being relayed to overseas audiences. Likewise, feedback from our overseas audiences couldn't be directly conveyed to our Japanese developers. That was something I found frustrating. Um, how did you address the situation? Foxon says, We had our operations team in Japan serve as our hub for communications, and we were really thorough about publishing uh, notices in all languages together. As a general rule, aside from exceptional circumstances, all outgoing information was to be uniformly available in each of our four supported languages, Japanese, English, French, and German. The actual publishing process was all handled in Japan, so that part wasn't much of an issue. That said, dealing with the transactions for subscription fees proved to be a bigger problem in Europe than publishing and publishing and sorry than publishing announcements. There were numerous issues where we uh, were unaware. What am I doing? There were numerous issues we were unaware of when working from Japan, such as the extremely low credit card retention rate in Germany or the need to support certain debit card cards and bank transfers. Interesting. Low. I mean, I feel like that's significantly changed. Yeah. What is that? The low credit retention? What are they? Credit card retention rate. I think the idea is that not many people in Germany had credit cards at the time. I guess. Retention, Uh, though? Like, but it feels like they didn't keep their cards. People just change cards all the time? Yeah, do they just stop their credit cards, maybe? They didn't keep them for very long? Leiblings, Leiblings, chime in. Interesting. And I cannot imagine having a billing issue, a subscription issue in like 2004 Square Enix support yeah. system. That would have, oh, <laughs> I would just contact my bank and be like, close the card and just never play this game again. Just close That's my 11th account. It's <laughs> over. Um, the official event, Final Fantasy XI Fan Festival, was held on March two. Uh, on March 2006 in Santa Monica. Were you still working in Europe at the time? Interesting location. Please bring back the fan festivals to California. No one <laughs> no. I'm not a California yeah. girl. <laughs> uh, Foxland says, It did overlap with my time in Europe. I flew from London to the US in order to attend the fan festival. I believe that was... Eleven's full first first full-fledged and large-scale community event, but do you remember anything about it? Foxconn says, back then, 
when it came to fan, this is like the first, this is the proto fan festival essentially for what we would later get. Mm -hmm. Back then, when it came to fan festivals and other events, there were still many skeptics in our company who were like, what's the point? Those opinions obviously didn't come uh, from the Eleven team, but I remember having a hard time trying to get the cooperation of our colleagues who weren't as involved in Eleven's day-to-day -day operations. It must be hard to like sell that, especially back then. If you, the stigma of like an online game, you know, gamers, yeah. <laughs> and now you're gonna have like a convent, like a. I mean, I guess they, if you say convention, it would make more sense because that's what nerds, that's what they would call gamers back then. That's what nerds attended back then. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, maybe in Japan that wasn't so. I don't know anything about Japan's like gaming convention culture no i don't know how tgs has been around for a while but i don't know exactly when it started when did blizzcon start Ooh, that's a good question blizzcon early 2000s wasn't it yeah it I'll must have been around this time maybe so i wonder who started it did um let's see i'm gonna just quickly <laughs> google because that's October content. 2005 2005 okay Pink, Pink okay year. so just before so this would have been like the so this is the year the after of these things picking up. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> um, I, uh, b b b perhaps the idea of fostering a community hadn't caught on yet, and the events uh, were seen as more of a marketing scheme. Says the interviewer. Foxconn says, "I might. It might have been the lack of games that emphasized a sense of community. Whenever, whenever we held the Square Enix Interesting party. Interesting. When we just won, won the best community award. Yeah." <laughs> true whenever we held the square enix party events in japan for example the enormous crowds in the 11 section were spurred by a different motive from those in other sections this the same goes for our booths for 11 and 14 at tokyo game show mmorpgs attract tremendous enthusiasm from attendees and require an atypical approach to event operations compared to other titles which was quite hard for us to accommodate Basically, we're very nasty and gross, and uh, they need to bring all the deodorant. Yes. All the deodorant. Yes. Uh, they hand it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder, I mean, I guess it is, the enthusiasm is because you're playing it so much. You're very, very, like, you feel strongly about this game. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's because the people that go to these kind of booths are more so people that are already involved in the game. Yeah. Whereas it's very difficult to make them inviting for people that have never played them. Right, exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, even if we collectively refer to them as game events, events for standalone titles and MMORPGs still have many differences, don't they? Um, Foxon says, I'd say the differences are very apparent. First... Some attendees will have already played the game, setting it apart from announcement events for a new title. We typically see a lot of hardcore fans at these events, and it'll be absurd to not cater to them. And Tokyo Game Show, from an event management perspective, it's more convenient to have our booth as close to the corner of the venue as possible, on the opposite end of the main lines of traffic. These and other factors we have to consider, like setting up our booth away from those of other companies, only show how passionate our attendees are. Oh, so they have to, like, if there's, like, a a wow booth, they have to be careful mm. that they're not <laughs> sparking, like, a war by having it too close. <laughs> um, I guess so. Oh, could you imagine the <laughs> like a, a mod, like this happening now modern day convention with a wild head and a fucking a, 14 a, player? Yeah, 
going at it. I just really like the idea because he's uh, specifically talking about Eleven here. That is so funny because, like, I can I imagine like a, an Eleven player now, like someone who was like prime age when Eleven came out. They're like in their forties now, and they're like just mm. attacking. Yeah, they are. No, they, you're right. It's just funny to think about. Like, yeah, millennials are just old just people now. Fucking hit, like attacking I mean, a fourteen-year-old WoW player. Like, fuck off! This the game is superior. Have you ever camped for sixty hours? No. Um, I mean, Foxconn had been in the industry for like almost ten years by the time he started working on Eleven Roller. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Foxconn was a young. In, a young man in his thirties, like us. Yes. Well, not you, but Lakeel oh, and I. Yeah. <laughs> I got I got a little bit of time in my twenties yet. Yeah. Uh, Foxon says at events, I was impressed at how every single one of our attendee. Uh, where are we? Uh, with that in mind, sorry. How did you feel when you saw all those fans at uh, that kind of event? Foxconn, Foxconn says, at events, I was impressed at how every single one of our attendees had their uh, attention focused in the same direction. Of course, the same sort of thing happens at concerts and plays, but to see it happen at a game event was something else. As everyone eagerly watched the developers' panel and roared excitedly as the Star Onions performed, I felt this tremendous energy throughout the venue. At the same time, it filled me with this determination to do my absolute best. Nowadays, my presence at these events is all but guaranteed, but back then, it was one it was one astonishment after another for me. Star onions, Nikhil. The star onions are uh, uh, it's a uh, uh, it's like uh, the primals for eleven. Star onions. Yeah. Do we know anyone that's in the star onions? Right. I don't remember. I I, I was I was too young to like pay attention to their fan fests. Uh, I know that they're from. Yeah, yeah, no, they they are the band. They're an instrumental band from uh, um, formed by Naoshi Mizuta, September two thousand four. Yeah, they're. Hmm. I mean, they're not the same genre. Let's just say <laughs> they are they are more instrumental uh, music, uh, not not uh, yeah, not goblin oh, rap rock. Is that what you're telling me? But I, I do believe oh. this is where this is where Koji Fox started doing musical stuff. I don't think he sang. He was it. a drummer. Oh, he was a drummer. Oh, okay, well there you go. He was in the Star mm-hmm. Onions. Um, yeah, he they only had two albums. It's a shame. Well, the Primals went on to to the starring and started what the Primals were able to continue. Yes, yes. Um, yep, there we go. So Star Onions, uh, look that up on. I'm sure there's clips of them on YouTube. They they did also release two albums. They usually they I mean they obviously only played eleven field tracks and stuff. But I mean eleven has good music. Yeah. So look it up. Uh, okay, uh, official eleven events were held in, uh, uh, held later held in Japan as well. It's interesting that they started that in North America and not Japan. That's true. Mm. I was surprised by that. Yeah, uh, Foxconn says after being involved in Vana Fest pretty much every other year, which is the name of their fan fests, every other year up to twenty twelve. I feel as if event organizer was added to my list of responsibilities. We still regularly hold events for 14, 
but between then and now, I'm glad I was working behind the scenes in my Vanifest days. Yeah, he was not, like... In 14, he's, like, in front of the camera next to Yoshi P, but in Vanifest, he yeah. was not really there. There. He's, <clears> like, the... He's, like, got second billing in Vanifest. Yes, yes. Um, after all, you've hosted and interpreted for four, 14 events, and recently you've even danced on stage for live music events. Foxland says, it's quite the conundrum. Uh, laughs. Mm -hmm. um, it's an interesting way of explain saying that. Yeah. <laughs> Answering that question. Um, okay, so now we're moving on to the STF. I'll explain what that is before we talk about it. The Special Task Force is what STF is. It's the team responsible for cracking down on the use of third-party tools and RMT, activities related to trading in-game currency or items for real money. The STF was originally referred to as the Special Task Team uh, when they were originally established. Uh, the STF is also part of your responsibilities. When did these countermeasures against fraudulent activity begin in earnest? Foxclan says, we were aware of their necessities since the beginning of operations. The actual team was formed in 2006, and in their early days, they specialized in countermeasures against RMT. The problem with RMT is that, even if it's prohibited in 11, it's extremely difficult for us to control transactions taking place outside of the game. It's also a problem how their reckless, how their reckless guild farmers have a large impact on normal players who are just trying to enjoy the game. Right about there, they. A tale as old as time. This uh, this has mm -hmm. not changed. <laughs> this is essentially the same problem they have today. Um, yeah, which is also what the interviewer is saying. And those are the problems with RMT that persist today. Foxclan says when we recognized the need for a specialized team, there were suggestions to expand the GM team and have them take over the new role. However, GMs are an extension of customer support, which requires a completely different mindset from tracking down and eliminating ba bad actors. Having a single team handle both roles would call for drastically different stances depending on the job. With their duties split between eyeing people with suspicion and providing support, that discrepancy could manifest an inability to see players as customers to assist. Therefore, we gathered several members with GM experience and formed a separate team within the same division. So it's essentially like the secret police of uh, mm. of the game. Um, They're the white blood cells of the, right. of the GM team. <laughs> yes, that's reference. Wouldn't it be difficult to get rid of these so-called RMT vendors? Foxclan says, eradicating them completely would be nigh impossible. But our goal has been to keep them suppressed uh, to a very low level of activity. To elaborate, one of the STF's primary tasks is con continually analyzing logs to identify patterns in RMT transactions. Another crucial role is forming internal rules to remove those who engage in certain problematic behaviors. Even if a behavior isn't listed in our user agreement, that doesn't mean you can do do it as you please. Actions deemed to be objectively problematic must be addressed pertinently, or we'd lose control in a situation if something were to go awry. It sounds like a miserable job, like, to sit, to try to figure this out. I, God, this would drive me nuts to sit there and be like, oh, imagine RMT, is this RMT? <laughs> what is happening here? <laughs> uh, sounds like they're... I imagine you'd yeah. have a very strong constitution for nonsense. Yes, yes. 
and also like the repercussions if you like trigger like an investigation and like action against a player and it turns out they didn't do anything wrong i can't imagine what that like no i don't want to deal with that couldn't couldn't have that job um mm. so, sounds that like there needs to be room from flex for flexibility Foxland says, we discuss our definitions of bad actors at length with our legal department, and those determined justif- and those determined justifiable are added to our list of internal rules, which has progressively grown over the years. Even today, we're actively uh, arming ourselves with new knowledge in our continued efforts to eliminate RMT vendors. But we can never underestimate our enemies. Our enemies. They're always searching for new loopholes, which means we need to constantly develop new countermeasures. Yeah, that's how it is. It's just endless. Um, It's always the big rat race. Yep. Um, Mm -hmm. It goes to show that the history of Eleven is also the saga of the STF's battles. Speaking of which, when the STF held their presentation at Vanafest, their tools had unique names like, oh my god, (laughs) RMT Pounder... V1337. And. Did RMT Pounder? Poner. Sorry, I said. Did I say Pounder? Poner. Yeah, Pounder. Pounder. Come on. You should know. Pound with some noobs. And this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the Gilded Tomb. And there were interesting phrases like, on the verge of resignation. Um. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Fox if says, you want to find out exactly what these are, there is. You can go to a page that explains. Yeah, there's got a, a link that explains link. how all these tools work, and also their report in general on RMT. Yeah. Oh God, Eleven's website is. It it looks like the old lodestone. It's very nostalgic. Um, but worse. But worse because it's uh, it's just a left aligned tiny column. Um, Mm -hmm. Marochi says, they may have been unusual, but those were the kind of distinctive names we used internally, and I'd say they served us well in leaving an impression with the players about the STF's activities. Back in those days, it was easy to see how vendors went about their business. Examining the logs made it evident that there were uh, sizable criminal mafias. (laughs) One character held onto the gill, others farmed and... Others farmed and deposited their earnings, while another distributed the gill to buyers and so on. In that oh sort of God. got yeah. the mules. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. In that sort of manner, their methods were quite obvious, and we were able to crack down on entire organizations at once <laughs> with the RMT Pounder, <laughs> which is I'm coining that now. We're coining Pounder, guys. V one three three seven. Nowadays, however, vendors have become harder to locate as they've minimalized uh, their in-game presence as much as possible. So it's up to us to continually adapt our methods and keep catching them. As you can see from our FFXIV announcements, it's an ongoing battle. We're still cracking down on thousands of accounts each week. There we go. The person that reads the, the reports every week that 14 releases on the Lodestone for what they've done about RMT. Sorry, what did you say? I completely didn't listen to a word you said for some reason. <laughs> you know how the Lodestone releases reports once a week about everything they've done to combat RMT? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to meet the person that reads them every week. Oh my god. 
I gotta know. Yeah. <laughs> Did I, I get him? Dude, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's another that's another one of those horrible jobs i i couldn't have um <laughs> well that's part of the smt well, well yeah they i guess well, the, yeah the stf stf special task force yeah um okay uh that's the foxconn interview um um should be one more part there should be one more part yeah i think they said i think it said four parts so uh, we'll finish this uh, next week probably um yeah good interview it's nice to hear about um the old days <laughs> um this is always interesting it's just so difficult to get interviews about the old days so the fact that they're doing this whole series is very exciting yes i'm su- i'm sure that someday they'll get one with koji fox yeah i will also we 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 um realized last week that the website where these in, where you can find these interviews has like a whole section about um, artwork from Eleven, and it's extensive and very fascinating to look at. Like you'll recognize some that you know we have in Fourteen as well. But like, remember the, the this is where most mobs, mobs from like a Realm Reborn that you know today were made. Like they were lifted directly from mm-hmm. Eleven, so you you get to see how. They could have looked like because there are obviously alternative versions because there there's just artwork of like suggestions for monsters. Mm. It's really interesting. It's so, like how we have the concept artwork for our Ra. Yes, you get to see like what how they conceptualize like Kikern and stuff like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that's on the We Are Vanadil website. You can just Google it. It'll sh- it'll come up. We Are Vanadil. <laughs> that's the website. Um, mm-hmm. uh, if you're watching on demand, links in the description. Okay. Let's uh, get some mog mail out of the way, eh? It's time for mog mail. I should have had a... I was so close to getting a perfect segue there, I couldn't do it. Sorry, mog mail. Oh! <laughs> where's the... Where's the... There we go. Don't know what's... Ha- oh, I cut off the Moogle. I don't know what's happening to mog mail. Mog is cursed. Um, this is from, where am I? Uh, Kamidani. Kamidani. It's, it's me again, your favorite Final Fantasy IV story spoiler guy, back with two more theories. One theory is for 6.3, and the other is for future trials. So in the last... <laughs> so in the latest live letter, Yoshi P showed us a screenshot of Alphino and Alice, as well as told us they are going to be rejoining the story in 6.3. This They're going go- to be rejoining each other. They're going to oh, combine like, oh. 69 dungeon. Yeah, this got me thinking of the twins from Final Fantasy IV, Palom and Porom, as you or uh, Billy and Gorbis, as or Gorby as they're called in our playthrough. As you have played, wow, that's really like because that's not even on the speaker's plays channel yet. That's really yeah. You enjoy that. People. How about you just fucking watch the playthrough then, viewer? <laughs> Uh, as you have played, or listener, pa- or listener uh, listen to our playthrough. Because <laughs> if you're an audio listener, you can only listen to things. That's just how it works. Uh, as you have played <laughs> past this part in four already, um, you know that Palam and Porum sacrifice themselves after the party defeats uh, Kanyaso. Kanyaso. I can never say it. Kanyaso. Kanyaso. I need to have it written phonetically. Um, which fiend are we likely to fight in 6.3? Uh, 
there it is again. W will A and A engage in some <laughs> heroic sacrifice to save us? Will they get Yestolad, Minfiliade, <laughs> and yeeted somewhere? I think there is some kind of connection between A and A rejoining the story just as we fight Turtle Boy. Well, aren't you lucky that Kamidani said that rather than Kanyatsa? Oh, that was good. My second theory is that the trials moving is the trial is about the trials moving forward. Many people think that we are going to wrap up the four fiends theory. What? Where did theory come from? Uh, four fiends shortly and move on uh, to as yet unknown enemies heading towards 7.0. I think we're getting through the four fiends quickly because we are going to have some kind of elements battle against all four fiends in a future trial. Sorry for the following spoiler in advance. I think Thank this. We just did this. Yeah, I think this because the second battle against all four fiends in the Giant of Babel is one of the more memorable boss battles near the end of Final Fantasy IV. Their appearing out of nowhere, powered up and stronger than before, is something Yoshi P and the dev team could would certainly want to draw on. There are so many cool mechanics a fight against all four fiends could have could have too. We could fight the fiends one after another, like in four, or even fight them two at a time. Two at a time would also be a great fight design and let let the off-tank do something other than taunt once every two minutes to eat a debuff. I am excited to hear what you guys think. Thanks for the great episodes each week. Make sure to let me know what other classic RPGs you are planning playthroughs of. I'll make sure to send lots of mogmails rife with story spoilers for them too. Thank you, oh. Kamadani. Do Earthbound Thanks. next. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. It is interesting. We have just finished the, that part of the story in 4. Um, but the first part... Um, there is... Yeah, there is a twin sacrifice in 4. But... Spoilers. Um, and we've done this part. But they do return. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not a permanent... So they might do like a, a fake out, maybe? Like a... Yeah. Where we think they're dead and then they come back. Um, there's no way, just, I mean, if you're going to go, oh, spoilers, as if they're ever going to kill Alfino and Alice, are you mad? Uh, that's never going to happen. Trust me, <laughs> Blue Fever was right. He came back and told me in my Jesus dreams. Jesus Christ. <laughs> he told me. I do agree. I will say I do agree with chat that like the twins did already as did every member of the Scions sacrifice themselves very recently. It would feel a little bit like they're retreading old ground. Well, yeah, I don't know if it's gonna happen in like six point three though. I mean, well, it would have to, wouldn't it? Because it depends on where the story mm. is going. But in in four, they they make it like feel very final. I don't, you know. Mm. Maybe they can play that off, and then they'll be gone for like a patch, and we're like, oh my god, I'm still recovering, and then they come back um, next mm -hmm. patch. They could do that. They're yeah. Um, um, for which fiend are we likely to fight in six point three? Kenyatsu. I'm pretty sure it's Kenyatsu. I'd be surprised if. Um, uh, Kanyatsu is the, the is the the water one. That's oh, oh! It's I want to see his design. I want him to be as disgusting and weird as he is in four, but he's not going to. He's going to be like a sexy man. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> do you not do you not I, think I so? Mean... <laughs> <laughs> He's not gonna be this horrible little beetle water beetle creature. Uh, why do you know think what? that? Because they I mean, I don't know. For it's fourteen. They've already done a horrible thing, and he wasn't even allowed to be a proper uh, trial. They made him a dungeon boss. Well, yeah, that's why I'm thinking that Kanyatsu will be a dungeon boss as God, well. God, I really hope he's a horrible, disgusting, vomit-inducing creature, but I don't think he will. But we'll see. He's, we'll see. He's going to be so what? sexy. I, They're going to make a sexy I, beetle man. Yeah. I want Kanyatsu to remain as horrible and turtle-like as possible. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Ruby Conte, have we haven't really talked about, but um, what is he coming this patch as well? Is he? Everything is <laughs> an innuendo. But uh, is he? Will he be in six point three? Ruby Conte, are we having connection issues? What's happening? I, I, I'm, I'm thinking. <laughs> it's just the yeah, lack. I think of we are having connection <laughs> issues. Oh, we are. Yeah. Okay. Oh. I'm just met with yeah. like complete silence. Every oh. <laughs> there's like well, nothing. yeah, because I can't. I can't. Jorg is like, just staring having... at me as if I'm like this horrible <laughs> creature. I'm, I'm giving you the. Well, yeah, I keep having like lag. <laughs> I and, see. Like, I don't want to say anything because I don't know if anyone else is speaking. I see. So, should move area. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's do that while we're while we're on this. Uh, yeah. You do that. Can you do that, Jorgi? Oh, we're on Where automatic. Just anywhere. Ooh, ooh. Wow. Ooh. Okay. Hopefully this helps. All right. Anyways, mm -hmm. um, I said but, I mean, we don't... Ruby Kante. Yeah, I think we. I think one of them. I think Kanyatsu is the dungeon. I think Ruby Kante is the trial because I don't know what else the trial will be. We haven't set up a trial series at all. True. That's true. If it's not these. Yeah. That's a good. Yeah, that's a good point. Um. Okay. Um, I mean, it's possible that Kanyatso is the trial, and then Ruby Kante will be left for the next patch, and then the dungeon boss will just be something else. Yeah, because we think the fi the final boss is going to be Golbez, Gold probably. Um, or hmm. and possibly um, what's the sister called? Asdaya. Oh yeah, right. Asdaya. Forgot about that's the whole yeah right. Asdaya. We don't know much about her situation oh yeah we left i'm trying to remember the msq now <laughs> right i, well, I remember saw, the dragon we saw a we saw an echo flashback of like golbez offering like a, a, a an entrapped as dire to mm -hmm. the four fiends yeah yeah um okay um f the second theory was about um the giant of babel uh, fighting all four of them, because that happens as well. Um, I don't. Well, that would have to be like end of patch probably when they come back again. Because mm. in four you defeat, like they said, you defeat all four and then they come back again and you fight them. Yeah. In one battle. I mean, it could be a. Tr it could end up being a trial, but like <laughs> I think I'd rather it to be an ultimate. I think it would. That would be able to suitably like represent. That'd be yeah, so far down the line, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a four fiends ultimate, oh my. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah that, I mean, that is a good way, because they may not want to follow Force storyline, you know. Exactly. I mean, the they've team. already changed the order in which we're fighting them. Right, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, that's a great idea for an ultimate. And it, it would be, like, both, like, lore 
fitting for four. Uh, like it would be an actual good mm-hmm. reference to four. Um, yeah, uh, I can see that. Um, I'm so annoyed we don't know what the ultimate is for this patch. I want to know. Um, I mean, it's just wait, Lakeel. It's only probably like two weeks away. Oh, that we'll find out. God, they should tell us in the live letter. Yes, yes. It's going to be the one that you want the least. It's going to be what? What do I want the least? Uh, King Mogglemog. Oh, just <laughs> King oh, Mogglemog. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess you could say it's one on least because it's so far off my radar that I haven't even considered it. Right. Yeah. Good. If it was good King Mog, they need something else as well, like good King Mogglemog and various Black Shroud things. No, it's just King <laughs> just... Good King Mogglemog, but he's just harder, yeah. and the song is like bass boosted and super loud. <laughs> Each face is just more bass, just more and more. <laughs> um, I mean, I'll repeat what we've said already. I think that the most likely right now is the the Warring Triad, yes. with the possibility of it being the Four Lords plus. Um, uh, whatever the the evil thing was we were keeping Koryu. Oh yeah, Koryu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um okay. Uh thank you um Kamadani. Um sorry about the 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 weird uh, responses in the this mock <laughs> got a little weird because of connection issues. <laughs> but hey, maybe I'll maybe I'll edit that out in the YouTube video and you won't know what I'm talking about. Can I just say I'm so confused this is a com- this is I'm going to comment on a comment. This is a short comment that just says no sound on the latest episode. It has baffled me so much. What does it <laughs> yeah, mean? I saw that too, and I was like... Okay, so I think that's a joke in reference to the fact that, remember, there were sound issues when we, when you were playing all of the new bump, the bumpers oh, again in the last episode. But that was, like, fixed in the YouTube version, so this is someone that's come from the Twitch VOD. Yes, I would suspect that is the case, and oh, then they're, they're bringing it up. I Because that made me go through the whole... I was like... Going through the episode, like, oh my god, oh my god, an audio track's missing. Uh, and it was like, no sound question mark, and it had two upvotes. And I'm like, two people voted this. I know, I saw that too. <laughs> uh, anyways. I upvoted it too. Y- you fiend. Oh, that, was, that was one of them was for me. Uh, I was tempted too, because I normally try and upvote most of the comments that I like, think uh-huh. they're contributing to a thing. And I was like, this means nothing. Yeah, this. And I know it's <laughs> So I'm not, I'm not contributing well, to it good. at all. That's why it's, it's contributing to the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's contributing to confusing the kill, which yeah. is easier than you think. And yes. I prefer if you people didn't do that. Yeah, please. <laughs> please. Um, okay. Right. Uh, I think uh, we can. We can do one. We more. can do one more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's jump into another Mogmail coming in uh, now. In three, two, one. Here it is. This is from uh, Camino uh, from Adamant Toys. Hello, speakers. Been watching on and off for a couple of years now. It's all good so far. Thank God. That's uh, good. Glad to hear that. Uh, so I've been meaning to ask you guys for a while. Can you honestly say that we'll be getting at least one new job in 7.0? I keep mulling it over. And with all of the jobs available now, with all of the balancing issues the devs have been facing lately, as of patch 6.28, I just don't see how a new job can fit into the roster in the game now. What are your thoughts? Could we really get a new job that can carve out its own niche? What do you think it could be? I look forward to hearing what you think. Best wishes, Camino. Um, thank you. Um, yeah, that's a good question. We haven't really talked about this, but we're kind of in a good place in terms of like job balance, like in terms of what we have in the game. Mm. Adding a new 
adding one new job will upset the balance, um, which, because right now we have, we have four, mm. well, how many tanks do we have? Four? Four, we have four about. tanks, four healers, three um, physical ranged, uh, three magic range, magic DPS and four, no, five uh, melee. Wait, well, we have five melee. Maybe we can get one more melee to make that an even number. Actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> I mean, the number of ranged physical is not even either. It's three. Oh, shit, you're right. I thought we were more balanced neither, than we are. Neither is caster DPS. There's three, there's technically four if you count blue mage, but there's three that are used in main content. I definitely don't think we're ever getting any more tanks or healers. That one, I think, is locked now. We have, we have <sighs> enough. I think we could, but for like that'd be like towards the end of the game, and yeah. that that would require so much. Like that would require that would be towards the end of their ten year plan at this point. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think it'd have to be something special, and it had to be like I think a, a tank healer added at the same time. Because mm -hmm. like, I'm guessing if they were to do that, they'd be really kind of shaking things up <laughs> with the, I guess the shield mm -hmm. and regen healers mm -hmm. and then the whatever tanks got going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Melee and Ninja still doesn't have, um, sh doesn't share gear with anyone. So I guess that's where we're most likely to get a new um, class job. Um, You're saying melee? A melee dexterity DPS. I, I mean, I agree. I just don't think they want to add a melee job two expansions in a row. Well, they even though they'd use different gear, I just. But Yoshi P has stated that it's easier to sell like a melee, like a, a DPS at least, as someone that I know. Yeah, and that is what people play. I mean, yeah, people do not like to play healers and tanks. No, from, from the uh, statistics at least. So. No, that's the true. last two mascot jobs have been tanks. They yeah, but they, they but it's kind of like he's holding a sword, which is mm -hmm. all mm. people see. <laughs> <laughs> and then they get in the game like that's a tank no thank you uh, and then they play ninja or whatever they want to play um, well, that's why i think red mage is the one that's most likely if, of all the the disciples of magic i think red mage is one of the easiest ones they could sell in terms of like if they decided to make a mage a ex, an expansion mess i agree job. i agree it's also like a very iconic like just for people that don't know what a red mage is they will see oh sword a magic cool uh, but for like people that played final fantasy be like that's a fucking red mage on that i was mm. they did use red mage a lot for stormblood though obviously for promotional mm. stuff but what was the mm. promo job what was the like poster boy job for Stormblood? stormblood had two it was yeah. monk and samurai right they had two <sighs> because they had two storylines <laughs> <laughs> oh great great idea guys um yeah, let's okay. But what do you think? What do you think the next job? This is too early to like really go into like discussion <laughs> about. But say we're getting. I mean, I don't think we're getting more than. I think so we're getting. I don't want to say it. No, I think I think we I think we're getting one. I think yeah. we're getting really. Well, no, actually, no. Let me say it this way. <laughs> yeah, I think we're getting two. Ooh. I think we are getting two, but I oh, think one is a limit. I was concerned. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because that way they can get a, they can show two new jobs, but like they don't have to worry about balancing one around the main game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's more likely. I I find it very hard to 
imagine them like trying to implement a second like two jobs because what they need is a, a job they don't want to make t- gear for a new class like another mm-hmm. job no it has to use gear that already exists in the game yeah and it makes sense right now to pad out the ninja gear because that's already existing gear that goes all the way up to level 90 that a new job can use and then they will just make you know the artifact Mm. gear or whatever and then yeah they literally it saves them so much work Mm -hmm. so if for them to do oh here's one that uses ninja gear but here's a brand new job that uses a whole new branch of gear this is for the wrestler <laughs> i mean they, they can still add another job that would just use other gear again yeah, yeah I that's think, true i can't i think i've mentioned this before i think the idea of like we could have a i, I mentioned this before a whip job that like it melees its primary like combo is melee it's like the reverse red mage but like it's its burst is at range Right, and that could use the ninja gear. That's yeah, yeah. I can see that, and, and it will look terrible in all that gear because it will not make any sense. No, <laughs> I can that's also, true. Yeah, I can also the imagine the same way. Bard doesn't like, or uh, sorry, dancer does just. Yeah, I don't think you should be wearing that bard gear. I mean, I get it, you're ranged, <laughs> but it's just, mm. it don't yeah. make no sense. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, there's also what the there was also the the idea of the whip being because I always make fun of like samurai's weapons always looking kind of the same a whip yeah uh, that's gonna look <laughs> well, it's just it's just a, I mean it's just a, a, a rope it's just a, a long <laughs> rope well, no, because, tapered uh, rope there are like chain you can make, it could be like a chain whip yeah yeah you can. But yeah, you can the hilt is, or I guess the, the handle or whatever the grip. Yeah, you can really work on that. And I guess maybe like the way you hold it, because I mean, obviously mm. it's going to be like dancer. If if they did something like it, mm-hmm. where like when you use dancer skills or weapon skills, <clears throat> it just kind of like vanishes into like VFX stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the when you're holding it at least or some skills like it'll mm. be stretched out so mm-hmm. you can see like a lot more of it and okay. they probably will make mm. it like at least a little bit bigger it won't be like a little thin wispy right kind of yeah. that's what i'm yeah. picturing <laughs> i mean and it's also possible as chat saying they could be like like extended flails like, yeah they're just chains in there at the very end there's like a like a some sort of spiked ball yeah like a morning star type but like the yeah yeah, I can mm-hmm. I can see that. You know, like like you know, like they use in Castlevania. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can see it. Um because I don't really know what else there is to implement at this point. I mean there's always, you know, I don't think they're gonna announce I don't think we're gonna get a new mage, but Geomancer, of course, is something a lot of people really want in this game. Um mm-hmm. and it is mm-hmm. lore I mean it's in the the lore, it does exist. It is Safari in the law. The issue is that, like, they've established like how it works. They'd have to change that, which is possible. Yes. It's just like they could. They could also say, in, like, we're starting a new form of geomancy. Like, this is a new that's type. That's also true. Um, but yeah. offensive geomancy. I hit you with the rock. Yeah, right. But not like what? White mage. Es- it's different. Because <laughs> I essentially did that with gunbreakers. Yes. Um. Another possibility is like. I'm gonna trigger the kill. Corsair. So like it is a combined like uh it uses a sword and a gun. 
So mm. like that, it would function similarly and also use the ninja gear. Mm-hmm. And it would also start in Limsa. And then, but like it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be our type of, it wouldn't be similar to Millie, like just like someone that came from across the seas. That could be how we get to Mericidia. If they could bring be like a Mericidian job, if, mm. if they bring Corsair into this game, they better fucking include the dies because <laughs> I want to throw dice to get my because like we know how we love RNG buffs in this game. That's what I want, and I also want them to I have think, the option you, of failing. I think that's just you. <laughs> You're I, just, oh. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not even like Corsair. Make it like archaeologist and have it a gun and a whip like Indiana Jones. <laughs> sure, uh, why not? Why not? You know what? It's it's from Maricidia. Call it a gunslinger, and you got your little holster, and you get the. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we could just use the the lore name Musketeer. I mean, that's still staring us in the face. They are dual wielding a dual wielding class, and you no, can retool want, them. I don't want to. Well, yeah, that's true. Because uh, we we don't really see any musketeers other than Merlewib nowadays, and we can just say like mm-hmm. we want to revive the musketeers guild, and then they've changed <laughs> the some lost stuff. art. Of yeah, using two guns. I mean, it, it is a lost art because no one's really <laughs> doing it in in Aorcia anymore. They there's used two to. Two other musketeers I can think of. There's like the villain, the, not the villain, like the antagonist of the Ninja Quest, who mm-hmm. is a yellow jacket, little Lullafell. Yeah, and then um the that guy that stands in like the warrior warriors guild what's his name like he's the captain oh, of the oh yeah oh god he's yellow jackets or something yeah I don't isn't know the guy that. from he's, the machinist quest he, line your trainer the he's, isn't he a musket or from which no, he's a he's a he's a marauder actually um, oh is he okay, oh never mind um yeah i think i mean yeah musketeer musketeer is the perfect job for like introducing us to like new world because it is so heavily tied to like Limsa's history and all that yeah. shit. So they could definitely make that happen, but I don't think we're going to the new world this expansion. So I don't think it would be an, uh, a job for this this expansion. No. Do you ever think about the fact that like they called the three musketeers, but they're known for using swords? Oh, why did you say that? That's so annoying. <laughs> I thought musketeer was like a it's like a profession, right? Yeah. So it's not like Yeah, it's not I don't that's a good point. I have never actually thought about it. It's it's a type of soldier equipped with a musket. Musketeers mm. were an important part of early modern warfare. They don't even use muskets. Well, if you watch that TV show, that animated TV, that French-Canadian animated TV show from like the 90s called The Fifth Musketeer, um, they did use muskets, but that's not the typical presentation no, of how they work. that's not what I think of when I, I think about them doing the swords and doing all for one, one for all, with their swords! Mm. Annoying. This is going to annoy me now. Uh, yeah, we've, yeah, okay, anyways, back that's to this. What I'm here for, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... <clears throat> Okay, uh, why are they called Three Musketeers when they were... F- Shut up, Huvek. Uh, the all right. fourth one was like a secret. Uh, yeah, that was a they secret musketeer. Like... That was the fourth... That's the whole... That's a whole... Mis- we're not going. We're not going here. Um, okay. Um, c- c- job? So, what are we saying? What are we... Th- like, in, it's too early to like lock down a guess, obviously, but what are we loosely thinking for new job? Just go over it again. Um, I... I'm on the something to do with a whip. Okay. Okay. Rollo, do you have? 
I, I I agree with that. It'll be ninja or ninja base gear. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're just going to go with something original, though. I think okay. they've kind of exhausted the list of like hmm. the fan like demands that are plausible or that they actually feel like doing. Yeah. And if it's just going to be one job, which I still don't think they're at the one job point just yet. Okay. Uh, it'll be an, an original concept. Mm. That's right. why I'm saying whip because Final Fantasy, other than Beast Master, is like not really had whip-based jobs. Well, see, that's why I have a little bit of a problem with the whip job because I think Beast Master is coming to the game, and they also mm. use a whip. So, well, traditionally, but the Beast Master's from like, uh, like what's his name, Lion. He doesn't use a whip. True. That's cool. That's true. I mean, but what would the so weapon of the Beastmaster be? What does Lion use? Right, that's a good question. His little uh, one-handed sword. Or, or That's the animation he uses. Well, remember, we don't actually have his job in the game. They, so use, they use a one-handed axe and shield. Ah, so it's like Paladin, kind of. Yeah, which I don't think really makes any sense for a Beastmaster to have. Um, it, doesn't make that much, it doesn't make that much sense, but the, the weapon's not that important for Beastmaster, at least if it's going to be a limited job. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at that point, you can just be like, I don't know, I... We learn it, and but then they're like, "Uh, oh, that was the fake beast mastery. Real beast masters use the whip." Yeah, beast masters in, also in tactics of use belts. That's kind of what Geomancer uses in eleven. So I, I, I hmm, hmm, interesting. That's kind of what Geomancers use in this game as well. Yeah, <laughs> they use be- they use a combination of bells and wands. Yeah. Um. Ah, oh, if they, if 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 Geomancer was the job, they can bring back wands. <laughs> yes, yeah. Biggest demand right now in the yeah. 14th community. <laughs> Wingardium Leviosa, baby. Yeah, no, I, I, I want the whip job. Uh, that sounds like a request for something. I, I don't uh, want. I'd, I'd like a whip job too. <laughs> um, I want a job that utilizes a a whip. Um, um, I'm a little worried about the Beastmaster thing, though. I want. I kind of want Beastmaster to use a whip as well because that's more that makes more sense to me. But um, mm-hmm. I also think we're going to get a limited job next expansion, um, and I don't, they might try because they were sneaky with Male Vieira to to like when they did the fan fest last year. They were like, oh, and here like they almost presented it as a new race uh, when it actually wasn't. It was just a new gender for an existing race. And I think that's what they're going to pull. That's going to be the gimmick next year is that Mm. they're going to be like, oh, we have one job, but wait, there is more. I'll ask Mm. you if they are going to go with limited job and like a regular job, will they put the limited job in the CGI trailer? Because I think if people see that, that would make some people upset. Yeah. To be like, oh, no, wow, I don't look, think they will. No. He's, he's fighting the enemies. Oh my God, he's with Ali's A and Alpha, no, whatever. And then it's like, oh, the new limited job, the Beastmaster. Oh. Yeah, no, I don't think they're going to do that. They're, yeah. No. Um, no, that's going to be like a surprise because they're going to be like, oh, we're gonna only going to get one job. Guys, we have one more job. And everyone goes, Beastmaster. <laughs> and then it was, oh, oh, oh. And they don't job. have to show the new jobs in the like at CGI trailers anyway. They didn't show, I don't think they showed any of them in Heavenswood. And they didn't show Red Mage in Stormblood. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
yeah, we'll see. Uh, there you go, Kamino. Uh, uh, um, we will have to wait and see. We don't really... It's hard to, to predict like what the job will be, but I do agree that I think it's going to be one that shares stats with Ninja just for mm-hmm. to make it easier for them to make gear. All right. Thank you, uh, everyone, for sending in MogMail. You can send in more to speakersxiv.com slash MogMail. Um, we'll be reading them next week. Um, so make sure you do that. Thank you. Um, now. Oh, right. This is an intro, doesn't it? Let's do it. Yes. The Great Discussion, it's here. Um, Speaking of future expansion, uh, with every expansion comes uh, a plethora of new zones. Plethora is perhaps a bit much for... (laughs) We're getting a handful. Six. Yeah, we're we're getting six-ish zones. Um, So um, let's, let's talk about what we want, what makes a good zone, what makes a bad zone. Um, Essentially, what do we not want? Um, Maybe (laughs) we should also talk about like what at the end of this, like talk about where we want zones to be in the expansion as well, the upcoming expansion. But let's break Mm -hmm. down a zone then. Um, So we like when you an MMO zone, like when we're talking zone, we're talking about overworld zones. So we're not talking about like cities or hubs. They are different things. Uh, We're talking about like. Eastern Thanalan or West the Western Highlands of Kurthus. Um, we'll start with like the aesthetics, I guess the like the, the visual fidelity of a <laughs> of a zone. What do we What do we like? What do we want from a zone visually? Um, I'm, I much prefer when a zone is bright rather than monotone or dark. Yeah, which I feel was a problem with Heavensward specifically, where it was a lot of... There was something wrong, like something... A lot of brune. Yes, a lot of brune. Um, <laughs> very, very drab. And when there, when it wasn't... When it, when it didn't have the brown filter, it was snow. Like, it was just white. It was just... Everything was white. So... Um, what do we so what's a what is an example of a good zone in 14 that we can use as a base? Um, um a good I think Ilmeg. Ooh, is, okay. I was a, thinking of Ilmeg as well to be honest. It's it's I think it's really good mm-hmm. in the in um that has really varied terrain mm-hmm. and varied vistas as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Uh has really good use of color. Mhm. And it has lots of nooks and crannies. I think that's my favorite part about zones. Yes. It's just little oddities here and there. Mm -hmm. Mm. Like, I wouldn't even say visual storytelling because I don't really tell you too much. No. But, like, you can go in some of those little underwater buildings and um, for Vobert or Vo, whatever you pronounce it, in in the water. Um, So that's, I think that's one of, 
I'm not saying it's my favorite zone. I think it's an example of a really that, good yeah. uh, zone, though. I agree. Also, the way it is presented at the beginning of the game is like it doesn't show you the zone properly. When that's a thing for whole, all of the game, but in Ilmeg specifically, there's that like fog that they put over you, mm -hmm. as, and you have to do that annoying <laughs> puzzle thing. <laughs> and then they reveal the zone. I think it's a great way of like appreciating it um, more because you get to see like, wow, this is really a nice place. Mm. Um, Elmeg also has something that I really like, which is elevation difference. I like it when a zone isn't just flat. Yeah, I understand. Like the Azam step is good because it's like kind of different, but it's also, um, it it does also have like depth to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, more yes. than you would think. Yes, yeah. Azim step is also a good example of like because that's like, Mela hates the Azim steps. Uh, I know. He, I still don't get it. I do not he, get any criticism well, he has. I, I know. It, so. I know he would say I don't hate it, but I know he does because <laughs> I I heard him talk about it in the like in the initial days after the game like Stormblood came out. Uh, uh, he, he it was too, and I was like, oh wow, it looks like an eleven zone. I said, meaning that as a compliment, and then he's like, hell <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, um, I yeah, go on. I think. One of my problems with the Zim step, and I don't think this is necessarily what Mailer's problem with it is, is that the fight is that the eastern edge of the Zim step mm. is a very sheer straight drop. Yeah. Which I think is just very unnatural. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I agree. Like the limitations of the yeah. uh, what they can do shows a little bit there. Yeah. <laughs> you can't exactly make an endless step landscape. No. Um, for the yeah, so let let's take take Ilmeg then. It's a it's very vibrant, which mm -hmm. is unfortunately very rare in this game because we have we have this mud filter, as I like to call it, over most <laughs> things in this game. Like it feels like we're we. It feels like they they've put some sort of filter over our screen that makes everything a little drab like it's a little sad it's a just a little bit of a tint a tint of sadness <laughs> it's uh, so strange like and i i don't know if you notice it too mm -hmm. if you notice people who don't like take a lot of screenshots of this game mm -hmm. or like they're you know like oh i just want to show this thing every single time it's dark as fuck <laughs> like and it's mm -hmm. just like oh my god are you just playing in this, this darkness like <laughs> no 14 just looks like that yeah but then like <laughs> If you get someone that just like knows that this game is dark, yeah, and they adjust to their uh, it according, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, now I can see what it is, yeah, <laughs> and that's sort of like a thing I feel like Shadowbringers did more because the whole, um, the whole like idea behind Shadowbringers was the dark versus light, so they 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 put that into the the design of the 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 maps, I think, to like pull out more color uh in certain zones because i think that's ilmeg is perhaps one of the most colorful colorful zones and vibrant zones that we have in the game mm -hmm. right now mm -hmm. um so yeah we like a colorful zone um any other like colorful zones that you can think of like in the the vein of ilmeg i can't think of any um um, um what's it called uh Thavne. Oh yeah, Thavnir is a good example. Yeah, that's a more recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thavnir, uh, Endwalker, of course. Um, and people are bringing up Lakeland. Lakeland is interesting because Lakeland is like white and purple. Um, 
it has a very nice it has a nice transition into the green of Ilmeg in the corner. Yes. But yeah, I agree that it's it's a little monotone in the sense that it's like it's it, a large amount of white and purple. It's just dual tone. It's just two colors. I do like mm. that look though. It, it is a very unique like, and cool look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like you get like the kind of hash I guess essentially marble, but like the stone mm-hmm. bricks of all the castles and stuff mm-hmm. now and off uh, outpost. Yeah. It looks cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My uh, clan's water section, which is something that's uniquely appealing to me, um, weed? has particular. No, not weed. No, not the island thriller. Weed. The water. Um, yeah, yeah. The I'm underwater. I'm talking about the source right. is very barren. Oh yeah, I think it it's is very unappealing. Yeah, they kind of uh, didn't bother with that much, um, which is contrasts really well with Ilmeg, which is really interesting to explore underwater. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, there, there's... Rollo mentioned it, like, there's there's so much in Ilmeg that you may... You can play through the entire game. You may... Maybe up until this point, you might be watching right now, and there are parts of Ilmeg that you have never seen. Like, there are little... <laughs> there are... I, just, like, a few months ago, I was doing... <laughs> I was doing uh, the daily quest for f- for the pixie quest because I never finished mm-hmm. that uh, last bit. Mm-hmm. And I was flying up by one of the waterfalls and I noticed that there was like a little opening and you can go in there and there's just a tiny little room there with like... Oh, the little crack? Yeah, in the, waterfall. the crack. Yeah. I'd never seen it before. And that was like, oh, okay, found something new like four years after this game came out or how long is it? Oh, yeah. gosh, that's it's crazy. Um, yeah, so I like stuff like that. Um, how does a Realm Reborn's zones hold up compared to what we have in the new expansion? I think a Realm Reborn zones hold up pretty well because I think they're really densely created. They're just a bit small for some of them. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think a Realm Reborn has, because of their size, a lot more in them. Like, I mean, I feel like we talked about, um the Azim Step. Although I really love that location because it's visually appealing to me. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of nothing um in in that zone. Uh mm-hmm. in a Realm Reborn the, the only thing I can think the only place I can think of that has like any like dead space is like Sigoli Desert. And that's because <sighs> it's a desert. Yeah. So <laughs> For the rest, it's like it's there's settlements, there's people, there's like a weird fucking rock, there's a massive <laughs> fat tree. You know, there's always something visually interesting in the in the zones because they've really mm-hmm. packed them to make them feel big. Because mm. in reality, they're really small. Um, what's your favorite Realm Reborn zone aesthetically? Um, That's very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> um. I'm gonna, like, yeah, I'm gonna go. Like, yeah, go on, Jurgi, go first. No, no, you go first. Okay. Yeah, you go first. Um, I like. <laughs> I don't know. If this is my favorite. I like Eastern Thenland. I like that. Um, there's actually quite a range in the environments in Eastern Thenland between mm-hmm. like the mining town in the north e northwest. Yeah. Um, then there's like the sort of like savannah in the middle, and then you can go all the way to the far the bottom, like southwest. Mm-hmm. Southeast, that's the Burning Wall, which is amazing oh, to explore. Yes. 
going briefly to like the most recent live letter, being able to dive in the burning wall would be an exciting thing for oh. dad. I, I will say I don't think they will because I think Eastern Thailand has too much depth already. It's oh, too, too difficult for him to add more depth to it. That's true. Yeah. Rollo? I think I'd pick Upper Lenosha. Mm. Uh, it's it's very, very mm. tiny. It's a little itty baby map. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I think the novelty of having the big lake and all the um, mm-hmm. yeah, the ruins in between it and then the big skeleton yeah. <laughs> of whatever the fuck that is. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, like it's just, I don't know. It's just cozy. And you have like little hamlet town mm-hmm. just southeast of that and the little um, nook building underneath the skeleton. Yeah. And the waterfall just past that too. It's like, oh, this, it is. It's, it's, it's small, but it's, 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 it's dense. Yeah. Like, like a lot of, around the yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Upper Lenosha was honestly the other, one of the other ones I was thinking of mentioning, and especially now that we're going to get a diver, the Bronze Lake will be diveable. Yeah, some six point three, which is presumably also means you can just normally sw- swim through that gap between the two islands. Mm-hmm. Which I will say, I really love it now. Back when we couldn't fly, hated, miserable, hated it there. Uh, I hated mm-hmm. that they've done that. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's well, great. It, I think the most miserable decision about it is that there's no etherite on the other side. No, like what? <laughs> Take the ferry like a normal human. Yeah. Um, he's run. He's definitely going out of business now. Now that we've got flying, and now they're introducing uh, like swimming as well. We don't. We don't need you, <laughs> Cockeroon or whatever your name is. Um, <laughs> there's so, two brothers. There's one on each side of the lake. Yeah. Yeah. Your 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 days are, one. are over. The other one might be like Trishurun or something, but they've all got similar names. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it kind of, um, looking at like old Rummerborn map design compared to like how we are, like Shadowbringers and Stormblood, uh, maybe not Heavensward as much, but uh, Endwalker too. They've transitioned from, uh, you know, having this kind of decentralized map design um that makes sense to more like here's the zone mm-hmm. and then here's the pivotal thing in the zone right like the, the eye-catching monument or uh mm-hmm. object or tower or whatever because yeah. like you look at um uh i guess w- what's a good one i mean ilmeg has has like the castle of course yeah in, in the middle uh, with Volvort right there, that's like that's the big eye catcher. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with um, Thavnir. You have um, the, the the rock yeah. you can see, as well as uh, I guess the actual town of Thavnir too. Yeah. Uh, or um, Radzithan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you got? I don't know. Do you guys prefer either one? <laughs> the big central thing, or the or uh, maybe a central thing or two. Uh, or... Yeah, because in a realm reborn zones, the the big central thing is usually just the city that it's connected to, like the mm. the capital you can mm-hmm. see in the distance. But um, eh, I like having like a big set. It's it's good for which this is our next point, but it's good for like navigation to know where you are. Yeah. <laughs> I guess to like know where that thing is. But mm. uh, because the zone is massive, right? In like compared to a realm reborn, so having like a, the big thing, like Mordona is in a realm reborn thing that uh zone that actually had a big central thing like one of the yeah, yeah. few zones that actually did um, yeah. I, I don't know um, what i prefer though what was what yeah. was your favorite around Rumble and zone More, uh I, it's i was gonna say mordona but i'm i kind of and this is very unlike me but 
Kirtha's Central Highlands has a special place <laughs> in my heart. So I I understand that. There's so, yeah. I, I just get lots of warm, fuzzy nostalgia feeling. Yeah, there's something about running. the fake trains there. Just like <laughs> I and I I hate snow maps, but there is just something about the Central Highlands that just works this zone i mean there's there's some magic in kirthas that i i think is this is remember kirthas central highlands is in a realm reborn map but it's massive and they it's very big and it's it's like it's and it's still filled in the same way that all the realm reborn maps are you never really feel like you're on like a an uninspired padded part of the map like it's all it all feels good <laughs> i mean there's even some parts in in the central highlands that you don't um that you that story and quests never bring you to like there's like a little cave on the west side that you may never find unless you i think maybe a leave quest there's leave meets in central highlands by the way i like that like all around yeah. the born zones have like grand company leaves leave meets in some of them which is crazy um it just arrived very recently i was doing goldsmith leaves just because i was going for goldsmith leave oh, i'm like doing the most unique goldsmith um, like wow i have to go all over the world for this oh my this god kind of annoying oh my god uh yeah so i'm gonna say central highlands uh, but yeah let's mm -hmm. uh and also you could say that in the central highlands yeah, there is no like central monument other than Ishgard. Because no. um, there's it has the, I, the, the what do they call it? The spike or something in the middle, but it's not very obvious. Oh, no. yeah, right. I think the big thing with uh, Robert Warren's too is that they have lots of like site blocking mm -hmm. stuff. Yes, as uh, you know, yes, they PS3. the PS3 limitations or yeah. you know whatever. Um, so there's lots of it's really broken up into sections where yeah. you can't see everything from one part, mm -hmm. which I you know. You gotta do what you gotta do, and I don't, you can they can make the maps look nice doing yeah. that too. But um, actually, I think it'd be interesting to talk about how maps don't fucking work. Now, yeah. this might be an unpopular opinion, but I think Corthus Western Lowlands or whatever mm -hmm. is one of the worst uh -huh. maps. Highland, sorry, yeah. is one of the worst maps in this game. <laughs> I Why? I can agree to a certain extent. I think. Well, because we're still on the aesthetic side, so let's just stay on that. That's because it looks sad. <laughs> there is <laughs> nothing. What's the point? It it's, is sad. But it's kind of. I know it's uh, supposed to be sad, but you, you, there's like no. It's like the Azim step without anything to look at. Do you know what I mean? Like it when you enter that zone for the first time. I mean, Falcon's Nest looks cool. It's a cool base. Yeah. But then, there's, as soon as you leave. You're just like, oh shit! It's just white, <laughs> flat, and empty. That's yeah. all that there is here. Like I know See, people it? hate the Sea of Clouds, right? But that's because I think it's hard to navigate. Mm -hmm. So, like as a player, I don't even it, think it's hard to navigate. I just don't think it's nice to look at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I, I I think it has a visual appeal to it at least. Uh -huh. But um, just once you're past like the town and the fucking the little bridge. And I guess there's a little farm. There's a little uh, right farm for the story there. purposes. And, yes. and the little um, frozen boat or something, too. Mm -hmm. Everything <laughs> west of that is... I, so, I, I, there's the wall from the keep or whatever. There's the frozen dragon. There's yeah. the frozen there. dragon, but visually, it's very boring. I think, so, yeah. And 
an argument I'd make with the Keston Western Highlands is it's kind of designed in reverse because if you if you entered the zone from the uh, Dravanian hint a uh, Dravanian foreland side of it, you mm-hmm. would actually be at the lower end, and you would to go towards Falcon's Nest to go towards the bridge. Those are like landmarks, but because of the fact you start there, you don't look back at them. Right, exactly. So I, yeah, I think they. I can't. I don't know how they went about designing it, but I feel like they designed the zone without thinking about the man, manner in which you would navigate through it. I I agree. I, if they had reversed it so that you weren't going from the top going down, because when you ca- down, go, yeah, when you go from the top going down, you don't really see. Because, like you said, I've come in from that side before, like from you know the 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 opposite end of the zone. You can see like the mountain and all the the because the camp there's a there's a camp there with like a frozen etherite. I really like the lore stuff in that zone, but it's all kind of mm-hmm. hidden when you first start exploring it because it's like on a little shelf, like uh, like hidden. It's all very hidden. But once you start and you don't unlock flight until way later. So you don't really get to fly around in the zone until, you know, you unlock the flying. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but once you get to fly around and look at all the details, it's really cool. But it doesn't ha- doesn't help the zone. The zone mm-hmm. itself is just white, gray, sad. I agree with that. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, I... I... And there's, the thing is, there is cool stuff around the map. Like, it has the nooks and crannies that I like. Not as much. Uh, most of them are just here's a dragon that's been killed by dragon killers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's mm-hmm. what most of the secrets yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. There are some mm-hmm. cooler dragons here and there, but um, I don't. Know, it seems just odd how it's like laid out and what and how the quest design takes you through it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You spend more time on the um, in that kind of. Uh, that middle section almost mm-hmm. the central yeah, part yeah, the northwestern yeah. part i guess almost yeah, yeah where there's not a lot going on i mean i guess it works for quest design because you can put whatever you want yes. there yeah but um once you're done like exploring like the farmhouse in that one um <clears throat> quest or so and uh dealing with the town yeah you're you don't do too much anywhere else really it feels like yeah that's mm-hmm. true um i just want to mention real quick in a zone that i don't like and that's the Ruby Sea. I think aesthetically <laughs> it is ugly. Uh, and um, there are other issues with it as well. But I just think aesthetically it is a f- an incredibly ugly place because it's just water. Then there's like a volcano. And then there's like another island with like the turtle people on it. Uh, and I guess there's the, and then there's the, you know, the southern part with the. Uh, confederation people and then don't forget the jenga tower right up oh and then of course heaven on high but the just and you can like see underwater like the you know the shit underwater but it's like oh it's so ugly (laughs) i I just hate that zone so much and the fact that that's like one like one of the first maps you ever get to see in stormblood not a good sell it's not a good sell um so um yeah and it's just a gimmick zone but it's one of the worst gimmick zones and also honorable mention to sea of clouds which i can actually appreciate sometimes but for the most part i don't <laughs> i think turning mess is worse than the sea of clouds visual oh yeah okay sorry we're talking visually of course yeah visually i agree with you 
that is like that's just brown brown bricks uh the zone uh it's just brown mm -hmm. um okay let's quickly move on and uh, so that's the aesthetic side of things navigation so when we talk about navigation i think we need to talk about like when you cannot fly so mm, yeah walking that's how you mainly experience this yes all, yes um so what is the optimal <laughs> i don't even phrase this what is the optimal setup on a map for like navigation like what is the perfect map um like do you want it to be how do we even phrase this just navigation you know what i mean um, I, don't, I don't mind the idea of like corridors and like valleys or like it doesn't have to be all open like mm. ilmeg or lakeland or mm. something like that but like when you have one direction when you have like the equivalent of cliffs in pokemon that you can jump down but you can't go back up mm. that's very <laughs> annoying yes yes <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think of like a. I'm trying to think of a bad map in terms of navigation. Um, so when you say sorry, when you say navigation, you mean like as you're questing how through easy, it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. How easy is it to get around? Is it a pain to do like side quests there before you get flight? Yeah, mm -hmm. again, Sea of Clouds, of course, makes sense. But that is that is a zone primarily designed for flight. So obviously, but it's you not... don't get flight there until level fifty-seven. No, so you can so... only use like the <laughs> that first little area. Um, yeah. And boy, you, you don't even know that till you're like, you know, <laughs> you till, till you try mm. hugging the wall everywhere. Mm -hmm. There's just a wall. Raktika uh, is awful for navigation in the in the eastern half. I think the western half is fine. The western half is relatively open. I think the eastern half of Raktika is really like a pain oh, to navigate, especially yeah. because even once you have flight, because a lot of the like cliff, well not cliffs, but like trees go all the way to the ceiling of the zone. So you can't even fly through them. You have yeah. to still go around. Yeah. It's yeah. always just more worth it to teleport and to get to the other side. It might yeah. seem like it's worth it to go around. It's not. No. Just give up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, um, a good the zone? The Forelands is in. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, uh, one the Forelands is an interesting zone and it's super linear and it's really a pain to navigate. Oh, but yeah. like, there's a tiny part of me that's like nostalgic for like in like going up and around like Somal, like the cliff sides of Somal, was, was I think a really cool thing they included. Yeah. Even if it's like really difficult to get around. Hmm. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. The, oh, the way up that mountain to oh <laughs> no, oh, I I hated that, but I'm I, yeah. This is this is a small kind of note. I guess that ties into map design. I think more quest design. Um, a thing I don't really like that they do with these maps is like the quest hubs, you know, mm. where it's like you've gotten to the new zone, the main quest tech you here, you've done this quest, every quest unlocks in this area, like mm. or in this like little town that yeah. you're in. And you can pick them all up there and do that while you're doing your main quest. Mm -hmm. It's really kind of like overwhelming, I think. Yeah. And makes navigating the zone a bit more annoying. Cause like ideally, and it it's supposed to feel like, like this, but it never does, is when you get to the new zone, right? You can pick up all the side quests that you need to, do them all at the same time as you're doing the main quest, and then turn them all back in together without having to really deviate from the path too much, because they're all generally grouped together most times. Yeah. But in practice, mm -hmm. it doesn't really feel like that, because at times 
it can feel like the quest is going ahead of where the side quests are taking you. And you're like, oh shit, well, now I gotta go back and like finish yeah. the side yeah. quest or like, or the side quest trying to take you somewhere else. It's like, I, but I, maybe I should save it until I get the main quest taking me there. And it doesn't feel like that. So, right. What I'm maybe one day, uh, or I'm hoping is um, to kind of bread, like leave uh, crumbs of side quests leading up to these areas more often mm-hmm. um could really help with the quest design and letting you explore areas too like if you could imagine um this is hypothetical the um god uh, is it geranium hinterlands is that that's the one with the volcano right or is forelands 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 yeah okay so you know the the eastern route that takes you to is it featherfoot or something i think something like that yeah. whatever the town is yeah um so mm. you just tail feather. You, tail tail feather. feather that's it so you just take that road and then you go straight to the town right mm-hmm. and then you know there's the quest hub i feel like if you were to maybe post some quest along that route to tail feather yeah uh while you're like the the main quest like is like saying like oh stop here at this i don't know sign you know before the town um there's you know maybe some dudes here that have quests that take you to like that little cave in the south yeah uh instead instead of just going to the town doing all at once and you know running everywhere all together yeah that well i see what you mean because i i really hate that because that that is definitely they've ramped that up you know with the quest hub thing in endwalker um and they'd started doing that i think in well they've done that progressively but i noticed it for the first time properly in like Shadowbringers. It's that you do one quest on ms you finish an msq quest in like a village and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden your entire minimap just lights up with all the side yeah. quests that you've just unlocked <laughs> and, and i just feel my yeah. heart sink i'm going oh it's my god it's very overwhelming yeah yeah it's like, like oh sorry god gone roller i was just gonna Here. say side quests don't appear until you make hit certain msq like checkpoints yeah mm-hmm. whereas in a realm born it often feels like the quests the side quests would already be there you didn't have to necessarily progress the msq to do to go there and do them if you want to yeah yeah, and you just get a lot of choice paralysis. I feel like when it's all just mm, yeah up and it pops up all at the same time. Yeah, if they want to gate it behind the quest progression. I think or maze quest progression. I think that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think having it all together at the same time is really it, daunting. It makes it, it feel like a chore that you have to do. And you're like, do I pause the MSQ and do all of these now, or like, what am I mm-hmm. supposed to do here? Meanwhile, uh, though, if you like drip feed the side quests, where like you know maybe you take one or two all along the way, you get to pay attention more to what's happening mm-hmm. and whatever that side quest did. What if it's interesting or not? You know, whatever. Yeah. Um, instead of doing everything all at once and having to kind of keep track of like which quest was this one again? Mm-hmm. Why am I doing this one again? Yeah. I just have to go out all together at the same time and mm-hmm. sometimes kill the same mobs or go around the same area. Mm-hmm. And then you turn and you're like, I, which one were you? Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Small thing again, but I think it would really help build up on the map design, especially if they build those little nooks and crannies to like hide in or hide, put little quest objectives in. Yeah. Um, that could really elevate some areas. I think something like the locks could have really benefited from that. I think. Oh yes. God, Girabania in general, pretty horrible to navigate uh it is Mm. um it has oh god yeah it has like remember 
just just getting flashbacks that remember it had like the bridge that separated low level from high level that was why all the you know the uh, mm. gate, you know happened during stormblood every single one of them is separated yeah <laughs> and yeah every single map is made that way whereas like there's a high level and a low level i don't think all of them well, did but some of them and it's no, really but the first two do yeah because you're not supposed to go to the second half of them yeah but i think i think the locks is really well designed even if it is a bit ugly yeah um just because like you can pretty much go wherever you want and the side quests take you wherever you want and that's the msq true. isn't that distracting there in my opinion mm -hmm. that's true and it has yeah it has a lot of the lot they all kind of look the same to me but the locks is the one that has all of those little areas you can go into like fly into yeah. and walk into it has the crypts mm. and shit right that's the yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah the crystal caves too and the um, I think yeah. there's a couple of pockets in like the Salt Lakes that aren't just the the dungeon. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot to explore in the Salt Lakes if you go through them. Yeah. Carefully. Yeah. Um, can we think of a map that's good in terms of navigation? I, I will I will say that most of Realm Reborn maps benefit from being so small. That makes navigation much easier. Mm -hmm. And usually you can follow the main road in all of those and just get very quickly to where you need to be. Only thing I can think of is mm -hmm. like some of the shroud maps being bad but um i think that it's a little annoying to, to navigate just because of the high level section in the middle of it oh yeah yeah true i think Horthus western highlands or, or is eastern central central, central that's central. what it is yeah. central because you have the the huge mountain you have to run around every time yeah yeah <laughs> it's if, annoying. I mean, before flying of course but you know if you yeah. If you're doing something in the northwest corner of the map, it's not a straight line. <laughs> right. You gotta go around the mountain. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not particularly a scenic route either. And there's a fate that will get in your way sometimes. Yeah. 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 Multiple fates, um, I should say. Yeah. An example of a zone that's kind of split in two that I think is done a bit better than like Girabania is Favnir. Because like even though it's split in half, essentially, I like it doesn't feel as like restrictive for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can see. Yeah, true. Um, I'm trying to think of like... Hmm. If there's a zone that's stuck out as good to navigate, I, I don't think I can come up with... Mordona is pretty straightforward. Like, yeah. it, 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 it's, it's a straight line, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, you just... There are two sides when you spawn in. You go left or right, and then... That's it. A little annoying that it's not the donut that it used to be. That would be more satisfying that you could just walk around it. But yeah, I think Mordona's pretty good. Well, except for the tangle. I don't like the tangle in Mordona. Yeah. The stupid labyrinth <laughs> stuff with I marbles. Still... <laughs> the, I, I, I hate the castrum there, though. I wish, oh, yeah. That's an eyesore, I wish they too. could just nuke it from the map at this point. Actually, that whole part of Mordona, we can just close the gates. We don't need to yeah. go that <laughs> way anymore. <laughs> They just built a mountain there. It's like, it just, <laughs> yeah. There is an earthquake. A mountain runs out. Yeah, it's oops. different now. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I also use cataclysm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just very localized. Um, yeah. Okay, so story. I mean, we can't really go through. Like, okay, so which, like, the story of the map. Like, the story of the region, I'm assuming, we're talking about here. Mm. So... I think the Tempest is a really good storytelling zone. I was going to talk about it as a bad zone for navigation. It's pretty linear, but it's kind of confusing with, with all the, like, 
elevation differences like oh, yeah. the map the like the the mini map doesn't really help you in some parts of it right but the way that you slowly navigate your way down and like they manage to hide this massive city yeah yeah and then you suddenly walk out of a cave and you see it it's yeah an amazing moment that moment that's- is like yeah that's a crazy moment in the game which you only get to experience once unfortunately <laughs> um, but it's it's dope and yes. just don't see your friends flying i hope you right don't look at where they're going yeah <laughs> yeah um but that is also yeah, an incredibly temp- annoying zone to walk in but. The te- i will say the the amarok part of the tempest is the only i think the only instance in the game of them hiding n- location names on the map until you visit it mm. Yes, I think so. Because even in like Ultima Thule, you can see the names of the zones you're going to go to later. Yes. But they didn't do that in in Amarok, and I kind of wish they did that in other zones. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, Yeah, another zone. I I think so. I don't particularly like what's that place called? The Mount Gold Dungeon place. The oh, outside of um, uh, Kalusia. Kalusia. Kalusia, yeah. I I don't really like it. It's hard. For, I, part, I guess because the split is kind of annoying in particular. Um, yeah. Guess, something about the etherites just don't feel close enough either. I agree. <laughs> like, no, I agree. It's they're off the corners of the map, mm. but it it feels like it's still annoying to go through it. Yeah. Um, but I... I when you know the mountain man mountain gog <laughs> yeah. dude pops up yeah and he's still there mm-hmm. he's still just a big ass dude yep i mean that's pretty cool that is cool i agree um except don't look over in the corner where there's near there's just near automata <laughs> god kalusha is so <laughs> fucked like kalusha <laughs> is, is both one of my favorite maps of um of shadowbringers but it's also one of my least favorite at the same time it's very strange uh i i love it because it's like clearly made as like um an homage to like 1.0 limsa like lenosha Mm, Uh, but then because and that's why it's like kind of barren and weird looking and then but also it has the near shit in it and (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh, i don't know It's just near Automata. They they messed around with Kalusha so much that they had to move the dwarves to Lakeland. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. It's um yeah, it's an interesting zone. Um I do love the race exclusive housing. That is the funniest bit of map design I've seen in the longest time. Yeah. I'd love it to be (laughs) the other way around. Just yeah. make it for races that don't make any sense too. Like make <laughs> yeah. it for this is the Hrothgar only yeah, right. housing district. Yeah. <laughs> and there's just like a guard yeah. system you can't come in. Yeah. <laughs> You're not Hrothgar. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. It's, but it's, Maybe, it's cool. It's yeah. cool. I think another quickly, another zone that's good for story is Elpis. I think yeah. it's like it's Elpis is an interesting zone because it manages to be really relatively open, but like it also gates you. But like it does it in a way that's not in, like infuriating because the story is so intriguing at the time. Mm-hmm. And like some people might argue about whether or not like it's too rushed or not. But like, I feel like I personally found the pace to be quite enjoyable, especially since you're spending time with people that you want to learn more about through true. the whole zone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. I, I agree with you there, Gary. I think there was definitely like 
I didn't feel rushed getting through it. I felt like, oh yeah, I'm I'm getting to explore these was it because there's like the three set towns or the uh, quest hubs, I guess. Three yeah. main know. islands. Yeah. 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 Um and they're I don't know, they they there's lots of cool shit there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um okay. Well let's let's talk about one of the things that I'll find almost as important as all of the other points that we've talked about uh music the the zone music uh which which is a little bit unfair for realm reborn zones because they did not have uh, the the time back then to really make a full uh <laughs> this is the thing we yeah. saw with dungeons as well uh, back in realm reborn they they just there wasn't enough time to make like a fully fleshed out theme for all this, the zones um but i mean even though it's short, you can still like like it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So zone music. Zone music has to fit this balance where like it's fun and it's interesting. It can't be boring because you're going to be hearing it a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but it also can't be too distracting, right? Which is an issue that some people have with the final song that plays in Ultima Thule. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. With Ultima Thule. It's kind of, I mean, yeah, it's kind of, Ultimate Thule is an example of that. It's like an example of using something that maybe, it's kind of like just playing a song uh, in the background. <laughs> and it's like getting on the bus and just someone's just blasting their like yeah. MP3 player yeah. or phone, no headphones. But the problem is it's just looping. It's just constant. So you will be hearing this a lot. Um, so yeah. Lahi as well, like Raktika kind of had that with the lahi because you can clearly hear it when it's like restarting <laughs> so you know okay we're starting mm. again here we go again um, it's very bold yeah. to put lyrics in the background music yes. I, 14 i would say I agree. yes you have to do it with real thoughts i think and real like like it's gotta be for a reason and it's gotta be the right amount of lyrics and it's got to sound right yeah i think lahi fits that balance just right for me personally i i agree with rollo actually yeah. i think i think civilizations is a pretty okay song i love lahi. hearing over and over again yeah but yeah, yeah. i, love I also think that the thing that really saves lahi um or <laughs> just saying lahi. i just call yeah we know what you mean <laughs> yeah, it's, it's whatever yeah, it's the is yeah. that there's the day and night theme for zones too so it's not mm. always the same one right. when you go there and yeah. they're usually like it's not it's not I don't think it's always a piano cover version, right? Um in in Storm in not Storm in Endwalker it was because I believe all the night things were composed by Keiko, but I think yeah. that's not always the case in other expansions. Yeah. Right. I think Stormblood was all piano too. Uh but yeah aside from that, I think that's really good to have the two um the really somber nighttime metal uh, melodies or like slower versions or like just Mm -hmm. slightly different and then you can have the daytime funness yeah you know going on mm -hmm. there and that's a really good way to uh just break up the monotony of, of yeah. the two of, of the two zone songs you have now yeah um i was Which trying Ultimate to did not get right they just have the one the best... I, agree, I agree with chat that i think i should have gone back to the instrumental version after you finish the msq yeah yeah i agree good I song agree. i like the song mm -hmm. i just mm think constantly it's not the best no yeah mm -hmm. i also think turn up the brightness a little bit when you're all done with the <laughs> ultimate well, yeah, is too dark 
It Turn is. on the light. <laughs> Please. See, it's in, it's annoying because that I agree, but I think it only applies real it applies mostly to the Dragon Star. A yeah. little bit to the Aes homeland. I think I think if the whole zone was the brightness of the of base Omicron, I think it would have been fine. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But I yeah. feel like in the base Omicron though, I'm just seeing the neon lights. That's true. You know, <laughs> of like the, like the of everybody and then just darkness. <laughs> That's yeah. all I'm seeing. Yeah. And just like, again, I get the going for the moody aesthetic. I think going through it felt great. You mm. get there, it's fucking dark and terrifying. Yeah. Like, kind of like somber, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is great. But that's, I'm done with the zone. Now. Right, right. And I need I to was, go back there often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was kind of hoping that once I completed the kind, I guess this is kind of spoilers for like um the the Omicron Omicron. Uh, tribe quest, but not really. Mm. I was kind of hoping it would get brighter when it was completed, but spoilers, <laughs> it does not. Oh, no. Damn. Damn. Are you telling me the planet isn't like a new nightlight? Come on. <laughs> I was hoping it would be, or like maybe the hope, to, bringing hope to all of the races in Ultima Thul might like inspire. There's even a quest. A quick distraction. There's a quest about setting up lights on the dragon star. Oh my god. <laughs> you never do it. You just scout <laughs> scouting places to put them up. Jesus. Yeah. Well, um music is another thing I was thinking about like a good track is one that you appreciate the first time you hear it and then when you're still in the zone you forget about it. Like it's just it's just there and you don't think about it. I think the Tempest is a great example of that. Especially and I also think the Tempest works as a zone for like musical evolution. Mm-hmm. Where like it's more of like an exploration y like underwatery theme at first. Yeah. And then it becomes the somber, like ancient type theme once yeah. you hit the city. Uh, mm-hmm. When you get to the second clock and then you're like, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. yeah. That's that's so hot. I was mm. I was thinking about a realm reborn music and it's not I, I'm trying to remember what they sound like. I do hear them, like, in my head. <laughs> just, just uh, here, I'm going to say a little tune, and it's yeah. all going to come back to you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. But isn't that Limsa? That's yes. Limsa. <laughs> so, so, thanks. Um, Every song is just Limsa. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, um, I can't really think it, of any oh, of them. It's like Twilight Over... Th- well, no, we don't oh, yeah. Twilight Over... Oh, yeah. No, that's 1.0. That's... that's um, um, it's like something in the sun. Yes. To the sun, something like that. That's the Thunderland theme. I mean, it's all very... Um, but th- I think... Sounding-esque. I think so. that's very good design, because you hear it when you go in, and you're like, oh, this is the zone. But I don't... Yeah. I can't really, like... I hear it, but I can't put it. Mm-hmm. I can't like hum it. <laughs> it's right. just Actually, the theme. I'll say this, right? So the uh, Aroma Born zone music is like it fades into the background very easily, mm-hmm. which you know can be a plus. And I think like it's not bad music or anything. It's right. just you know it's it's kind of there for most people, but it makes the battle music and any other kind of music stand out a yes. lot. That's true. So if and like when you're going from like and then and then you go into a fate and it's like you know hard to miss like with the yeah 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 it's like oh okay that like it it stands out to you a lot more and it becomes a lot more memorable yeah um though i don't think it has rubber born has a lot of memorable 
field music no. that isn't <laughs> but i feel as if it serves its purpose like it doesn't overwhelm you and it doesn't become monotonous especially because like it's silent at times yeah a zone that like even though we were talking about we were complimenting this zone at the start a zone that has i think particularly monotonous music is ill meg i think it's Oh, like yes. yes. Really? I was waiting for this because that's the one thing that puts it down a level in my book is that the song is a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. Um, I'm not I, a fan know, of... I have to listen to it real quick because I, I, I can't recall it the, right the now. The longer you stay in Ilmeg, the more infuriating oh. that theme becomes. Don't worry, you'll be spending some time in Ilmeg again soon. Oh, true. <laughs> See, but that's how I feel about Labyrinthos. I hate the little... Mm toy soldier-esque <laughs> I just, it drives see, me crazy I, I can see that and I, there's that's definitely a complaint a lot of people have it doesn't personally bother me no <laughs> i i uh, yeah i'm okay with labyrinthos's theme is the theme that i'm expecting uh Soken to come on to the next fan fest stage and play with his automaton oh yeah <laughs> yeah i just i think it doesn't even fit the area though right like i can't match like the, the toy box like aesthetic. it because it's kind of like incongruous like it yeah. it's presenting the zone as more whimsical than it actually is mm -hmm. it, it's hiding I, like it's the mysteries so of weird. it <laughs> yeah i was just going to mention something that we've sort of lost with um after a realm reborn i know how i keep holding on to a realm reborn uh, the, the there's just the the battle themes aren't they or am I mixing this with one point with 1.0? There are different battle themes for each zone. In a Realm Reborn, yeah, there's a different battle theme for Thanalan, Lenosha, uh, Black Shroud, Mordona, and Curthus. Yeah, which is whereas something after that expansions have only like unique songs. Yeah. yeah, which is something I miss. Kind of, it's like because they would have you mm. would have a field theme, and then the battle theme would build on the field theme, so it would have oh. that baked into it. Yeah, God, I, we did I, get a taste of it in in Endwalker. Mario Lamentorum has a different battle theme true. when you're inside Bestaway Burrows. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I just wish they they did go back to the um, more muted background theme yeah. uh, and then unique field battle theme. Uh, that along with like nighttime music, I think would be perfect mm -hmm. because right now going through Shadowbringers, hitting an enemy, and you're like. You know, an amarang, and it's like because it oh, has to fade cool. out and then fade yeah, in the battle I, theme, and then it fucking fades in. Shadowbringer suffers from having the worst battle theme, yeah, because it feels them. But see, this I don't even know if I'd say it's the worst battle theme. I just feel like it's so incongruous with every single zone it theme in out of in Shadowbringers. Theme. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Like, like maybe you could make it work if you were in Azizla. Like the transition between Azizla's last theme and mm -hmm. the Shadowbringers battle theme might have worked better, Maybe. but it just does not work with any like, Shadowbringer zone, in my opinion. It just comes on so strong with that guitar mm -hmm. and that lady mm. singing, yeah. and it's just I. This, it was the first time I ever turned off battle music going through an expansion. <laughs> I did. And I, had it I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and it was. And it was like it was. I was. I was think I was on the other half of Amarang, or yeah. it was like 57, 56. I was like, I can't fucking do this. No. Like, I like this song. Because, yeah. I hate fighting an enemy. Dude. And just 
We had the exact same experience in the exact same place because Amorite's theme was so like weird, and I was like, I need, I want to hear this, and then and like, fuck's sake, stop! So yeah, I turned it off. Bring back unique battle. You could have gotten like a unique Amorang battle track, or maybe use this fucking guitar track somewhere else yeah, yeah. not as it's just too much it's too it's so much. intrusive when it comes it's like it oh here i am it's battle time baby uh which is why uh, i like uh, around reborn's approach which the music is so quiet and calm that you barely notice it and then it just fades out you don't even notice that it's faded out and then you start a battle and you don't feel that like oh it has to turn down the field music and then yeah, turn it's off the battle music. Because why does that why does that work in the Realm Reborn overworld zones but not in the dungeons? Oh. Oh yeah. That's a good Technical point. Death, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. That's a good point. I don't know. It's, they a lot of Realm Reborn is rushed a lot. So somehow though they struck some sort of balance with the field themes for some somehow, I don't know. The dungeons are a, a tragedy. Because they only have yeah. like 10 oh, chat seconds. Brings up, yeah, chat on. brings up a really good point. Why is the fate theme still the same oh, all these years? Yeah. I've just been, I, I've, I have Stockholm Syndrome. I love it now. Shut up. <laughs> I just, I, I listen to it. I've, like I said, I've gone through phases of like, oh, this is cool new song just starting the game. And like, okay, I've heard this too much. Shut up, <laughs> shut up, shut up, shut up. And then just last year, I was like, actually, I love this. I, this is dope. I, I, I love it. Don't oh. ever change it. Well, it's it's this it's this weird thing where I've said this before. It's like this 1.0 feet. There's they don't they whittle away like weird 1.0 quirks slowly. And one of them is the un 1.0's music was like unique for everything. You picked up a leave quest in Thanalan. You get a leave. You get a Thanalan leave quests theme when you initiate that leave quest. You get you do you're doing a crafting. I don't think crafting had special. I think they always had the same one. But you yeah. know what I mean. Like the idea was that. Each zone had its own identity, and the music reflected the identity. Mm-hmm. With a Realm Reborn, for uh, Realm Reborns, because it was still being built, sort of with one like sorry, a Realm did I say Realm Reborn? A Realm Reborn was built while 1.0 was still going, so they were still sort of using 1.0's design language. So they, that's why we have the unique zone music, the you, you know, with battles and stuff gone from Heavensward. They could have done the same thing with Fates. They could have had unique themes for the fates for each zone uh it, mm-hmm. it cannot be because they no longer make new leave music so they could have just used the resources they spent on that to make unique fate music for each zone alas i mean but now every dungeon has its own song now that's like, true there's, there's that like, is a good point that is true we do get music has been spread songs, out elsewhere but we only yeah. get one dungeon per patch to be fair i mean well, yeah it, it's not if you make one, because now we literally yeah, get but... one zone which has one type of music and the same battle music for the entire game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, granted, we get a night and is there a night and day theme? Yeah, there is for for Overworld. Yeah, and there's still night and day themes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So oh, I don't know. Overworld and the Realm Reborn. No, there's no night theme in the Realm Reborn. Is there not? Oh, I guess okay. No. Does it just silence. not play? Oh, it's just silence. Interesting. <laughs> Enjoy the silence. <laughs> Um, well, anyways, um, it would be nice to have different music for the fates, like unique for, for, 
If not each zone, for each expansion then. So you you identify which fate mm. you're in, but I don't know. Um, Music really can make or break a zone sometimes. Yes. Like the god yes. that... um. Again, uh, what? I keep forgetting the name. The cliff one. What's the with the Mount Golg? Kalusia. Kalusia. Hate that fucking theme. The light theme. Oh yeah. It was so. I hated it so. It was so droning. Which I get. All the light themes are kind of like that, but it's just. Did well, actually, we don't. Do you was, like? Sorry, that. Do you like the theme name. that plays in Kalusia once you actually clear the light? Um. The was the current. Oh. One? Uh, it's okay. But by the time you start hearing it, you're kind of already done. I mean, you're not going to hear it until after you finish the game. Yeah. You right. never you never experience collusion during um, regular, without without being flooded by light until post-game. Yeah, right. like the, the, the flood of light version is like, that's what I associate with collusion, not yeah. the current mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, okay, I think we, we definitely have to wrap because we have a pretty uh, beefy mm -hmm. post-show to get to as well. Um, but yeah, there you go. Um, that's what we think would make a zone good, I guess. Um, Take some notes, Yoshi P. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when you <laughs> that's make... what we want from zones. Yeah, we'll probably talk because we don't have time. We'll probably do a different one about what zones we expect. Oh yeah, we didn't even a touch while from now. That. Yeah, <laughs> a while from now. When we're closer to maybe expansion, we'll we'll discuss that more. But now you know what we're looking for in a zone. Um, that's it for the show. Uh, thanks so much for watching. We will be back next week, same time, same place. If you're watching live, remember the poster is coming up. Remember to follow on Twitter at speakersxv, Twitch.tv/speakersofhydlandyoutube.com/speakersxv. Exclamation Discord in chat if you want to join our Discord server. If you're watching on demand, links in the description. Um, we'll be going into post show if you're watching live. See you there. Goodbye. Bye. You've just listened to an episode of Speakers of Eidolon, produced by Speakers Network. Producer for this episode was Lukeel Bravestone. Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy XIV is a registered trademark of Square Enix Holding Company Limited. If you would like to support the show, consider pledging to our Patreon campaign at patreon.com speakersxiv, or buy some merch at teespring.com stores speakersxiv. Link to both of these sites, as well as our Discord server, is provided in the episode description. Thank you for listening to this Speakers Network production.